Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here in the room. Good to see you guys. Joy Church Online joining us on live stream. So good to be with everybody today. What an exciting, awesome day. Now, for those in the room, does it feel a tiny bit chilly? Yes. Don't worry, Kyle, I'll move this for you. Oh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> it's the one piece of real work I'll do today. No, just teasing. Thank you. No, I'm just messing with you. Um, feel a little bit chilly in the room today? Because, you know, Christians get too comfortable in church. You know, so we just decided we need to make it a little bit uncomfortable, a little cold, a little chilly. Pick up your cross, follow Jesus. No, actually, there was something wrong with the heater this morning. And it's a lot warmer right now than it was first service. So we are just kind of, we're not suffering for Jesus. First service was like going to church in Alaska in the winter, uh, outside, you know what I mean? No, I'm just teasing. But uh, uh, we are getting it fixed. So if you're a little bit cold, don't worry. We won't, we're going to make sure it gets better. So uh, I can't promise you that it'll be, it might be better in July. Hopefully it gets better before then. But um, so good to be with you guys today. Man, I'm excited about 2021. I'm really filled with faith and expectation of what God is going to do in and through us as a church. And uh, last week I kind of shared a little bit. I know you guys listened to all the messages online if you're not here and you go through and take copious notes. I know that everybody does that, but for the few people that don't, that's a joke. But for a few people that don't, just to recap last week, I just shared some things about the vision for what God wants to do through our church in 2021. And I'm really believing that God wants to see a tremendous harvest of souls, people coming to Christ, coming to know Jesus in 2021 that far exceeds anything we've seen in the previous years as a church. But it's gonna look different this year, you know? Uh, it's, it's not going to look the same. Jesus talks about the fact that you have to have new wine skins to get new wine. And when God wants to do something new, you can't just go back to what he's done before or what, what has happened before and go, well, that's exactly how it's going to play out. There's some changes. And I really believe that, as I shared last week, the, the, the harvest and the, the freshness of what God wants to do in our church is not just going to take place in the same ways that it's happened in the past, but it's going to come through this thing called discipleship. You know, and we are a church that believes in uh, being disciples of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus. But I believe that what God wants to do in us as a church, it's going to not just be focused in on the Sunday morning experience, but it's going to go out into the homes, into coffee shops, and work through every one of us as we impact our community. And we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. So we're starting a series called Next. Now, we obviously put Next on this big banner over here. You know that we have Next Track. But this isn't just kind of a, uh, something we do as a church that's kind of cute, like, oh, go to Next and join the church. Uh, it is kind of cute, but it's not just that. It's actually a deep spiritual principle that we believe that there's always a next step with Jesus. Whether you've been a Christian for 35 years or you're just now f- beginning to follow Jesus, or maybe you're even here today or watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, that's okay because there's always a next step. Whether you've been with him forever or whether you're just starting this journey, there's always a next step with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I get stuck in life sometimes. Anybody else? I get stuck. Like uh, sometimes, you know, it's marriage. Sometimes it's parenting. Sometimes it's career. But how many of you ever just feel like, man, I'm stuck. I don't really know what the next step is. I don't know what to do. Anybody? Yeah, nobody wants, don't admit it in marriage if your spouse is here. Just keep your hands down. Even you people online, don't get fooled into thinking that your wife doesn't see you. She's, she's looking in and she saw you, sir. Raise your hand and you're in trouble now. Or ma'am, you're in trouble. Uh, don't raise your hand, but we get stuck in life. Bethany and I, we've been stuck in our marriage before where it's like, gosh, things aren't working how they're supposed to be working. And uh, what do we do next? 
And in those moments, it's often, it feels very scary because it seems like, how could I get out of this, right? I'm spinning my wheels or I'm just doing this. And it can feel this way in our spiritual life as well. It can feel this way in our walk with Jesus where we kind of go, I know that I want to be somewhere else, but I'm not there. And I don't really know what next step to take. And I want to tell you that as we go through this over the next couple of weeks, I believe you're going to be very encouraged starting today and moving on over this, the, the next few weeks in this series because we're going to give you some very concrete steps to say, hey, if, if you want to go forward in your journey of following Jesus, here is what you need to do. Here are the steps to take. Does that sound good? It sounds underwhelming, apparently. Uh, if only the people live could have heard the uproarious cheering going on with Joy Online, but the folks in here today are frozen to their seats, so it's uh, <laughs> I'm just having fun with you guys. So we're going to talk about, about focusing on that, uh, that next step with Jesus. Is anybody familiar with uh, Jeff Foxworthy? Anybody? Yeah, J Jeff Foxworthy, for those that aren't familiar, is the you might be a redneck if right? If you've ever clad to climb to the top of a water tower with a bucket of paint to defend your sister's honor, you just might be a redneck, that guy. If you've ever been pulled over by the police and they ask for your identification and you show them your belt buckle, you just might be a redneck. If you've ever mowed your lawn and found a car, That's awesome. I could just do it all day, right? It was just <laughs> and uh, that southern accent was pretty good too. Yeah, was, it's, no, it's no Jeff Foxworthy, but Jeff Foxworthy, he's the redneck guy. And he told a story one time. He said, apparently he was in Atlanta, Georgia. I've never been there, but I've heard this. And he was saying that it's a very confusing freeway system, that the road system is very confusing. And so one day he has to get to a gig. He's going to show up at this place and he has to get there by such and such a time. And he, he's lost and he's on the ring road around Atlanta. He's trying to find it. He pulls off the freeway, goes to this gas station and a good old boy comes out, you know, here's Bubba. He comes out probably wearing his overalls or whatever. And, and, and Jeff says, Hey, I need to get to such and such a place, Baker street, the, the theater there. And the, the good old boy says, well, you know, yeah, well, I, I tell you, I get there. What you do is you got to go take a left on, on Myrtle Street. You go take a right here. You get, oh, hold on a sec. No, okay. You're going to go up yonder. You're going to take a left here. Right. Well, hold on a second. You can't get there from here. <laughs> this is what our spiritual life feels like sometimes, isn't it? You can't get there from here. You're like, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better wife or mother. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to get, lose some weight in 2021. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be everything God's called me to be. Three days later, you're laying in a, in a pile of Cheetos. You've watched every episode of The Bachelor, and you don't know what's wrong with your life. You know what I mean? And like, where did I go wrong? And it feels like sometimes you can't get there from here. But I'm here to tell you today, you can get there from here. There's always a next step with Jesus. And this is what discipleship is about. Now, it's not just about us. And I'm going to talk about this today. The purpose of learning to be a disciple of Jesus is, is to connect with the purpose of God for our community, for our city. And I shared this last week. You know, I, I believe that, that God has done some really cool things through our church, but what he wants to accomplish in 2021 is far beyond and far greater than anything we've seen before, but it's going to look different. It's going to happen in the lives of 
in the, at your living room table, as you sit across the table from somebody getting coffee, one-on-one personal discipleship, small groups, God's going to do some really unique things through this because the, the vision that God has put uh, in us as a church and what God has given to us, the task before us is greater than our capacity to do it, even with this awesome big building that we've got. You know, I was thinking about this recently that when you drive into Eugene, the population uh, sign, it says, I think, 100 and went up a little bit recently. What's it say? 180,000 people. Now, we have a nice big building, but I'll tell you right now, even outside of COVID restrictions or whatever, you can't fit 180,000 people in this building. And I'm not going to do that many services. I love you guys, but we're not going to do that many. So how are we going to really reach our city? Springfield, right, isn't even included in that population. What, 60, 70, 80,000 in Springfield, Lane County, the whole area, and the state of Oregon and what God wants to do. We can't fit that many people into this physical location. But we can reach that many people if all of us are engaged in the work of making disciples. And so I'm excited about that. As we go over these next few weeks, we're going to get unstuck. We're going to be growing and walking with Jesus, but we're also going to connect with the heart of God for our city, for our community as disciples. Now, I don't like to reinvent the wheel, and one of the the mentors that I've learned a lot from, I never met him, but learned a lot from, uh, you know, through books and through his videos is Pastor Steve Merle, and he did a short video about what discipleship is that we're going to watch right now, and it's excellent, it's clear, it's simple, so we're going to dial into that real quick and watch that. We'll play, play it for you guys online. Let's go ahead and watch that, guys. No matter where I am in the world, I am often asked four questions about discipleship. The first question, what is a disciple? Secondly, what is discipleship? Thirdly, how can I become a disciple? And finally, pastors often ask me, how can my church become a disciple-making church? Those are all important questions. And the starting point for answering these questions is in Matthew 4.19. Here's what it says. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In this scripture, we have the answer to what is a disciple. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, not someone who joins a church, not someone who follows a leader, not someone who joins a program, but someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is someone who fishes for men. In other words, while following Jesus, a disciple is reaching out to other people who are not yet following Jesus. And finally, a disciple is one who fellowships with other believers. The scripture says, Jesus said to them, It wasn't an individual thing to follow Jesus alone, but to follow Jesus means to follow along with other believers. So when we think about discipleship from that text, then we can answer the question, what is discipleship? It is very simply a process to help people follow Jesus, fish for men, and fellowship with others. Now, when individuals say, well, how can I become a disciple of Christ? Well, the answer still goes back to that scripture. To become a disciple of Christ is to pick up a cross, follow Jesus, fish for men, and do that in fellowship with others. My good friend Joey Bonifacio summarizes the idea of disciples and discipleship with the phrase, discipleship is relationship. Discipleship is relationship on three levels. It's a relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It's a relationship with lost people. That's what it means to fish for men. And discipleship, finally, is a relationship with other believers. That's the fellowship aspect. Now, pastors 
always want to know, well, how can we become a disciple-making church? Um, every pastor knows they should make disciples, but often they don't really know where to start. Well, to make disciples, we begin by engaging our culture and community with the gospel of Christ. Secondly, once we've engaged with the gospel, not another community, not the past community, but our current community and our current culture, and cultures and communities change in time, but the gospel never does. So once we've engaged with the gospel, then we begin to establish biblical foundations. We begin establishing biblical foundations, and once biblical foundations are established, we equip believers to do basic ministry skills and then finally, we empower those believers and those disciples to go and make disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. A few chapters later in Matthew 28, he told his disciples, now you go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus' job is to build his church. And so often pastors get so involved in building the church that they do not have time to make disciples. They don't have time to engage their community, their neighbors, their friends. They don't have time to establish foundations or equip for ministry or empower. They're so focused on building the church. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Our job, what we should be concerned with is making disciples, engaging, establishing, equipping, empowering, connecting with people, connecting with our communities, connecting with our culture to bring the gospel of Christ. So let me encourage you, go and make disciples. Awesome. Did you get something out of that? Yeah. Pretty good, isn't it? I thought, man, I could say that worse than in a lot longer time. So instead of that, I'll just have him, him say it. <laughs> I was wondering, uh, I didn't notice this in the first service, but I was noticing the bobblehead on his shelf. Did anybody else... I was like, who is, what's, I wanted to know who it was. I get distracted by the meaningless things sometimes, like in the background and that. Man, what a great, clear, uh, impactful description of what it means to be a disciple. How many of you are like, yeah, that's great. That kind of helps me understand. Anybody? Awesome. Okay, thank you. Um, he gave three things that we're going to look into today and examine the concept of being a disciple and making disciples through these three things. Pastor Steve said, uh, follow Jesus, the mark of a disciple is that they follow Jesus. Number two, they fish for people. And number three, that they're in fellowship with other believers. So we're going to look at this today. Number one is this idea of following Jesus. Now, you're going to hear me and others of us at Joy Church and different Christians talk about kind of the same thing, but use different words. People will say, follow Jesus. They'll say, be a disciple, right? I'm living as a Christian. I'm walking with the Lord. You're going to hear different things, but it basically is talking about this concept of being a disciple. Now, if you study the word disciple, it comes from a Latin word for the word student, okay? And, and even further back from the word learn. So a disciple is a student that is learning from a teacher. So being a disciple of Jesus means that we are in class with Jesus, right? He's teaching us and we're learning. Now, a disciple is someone who is actively learning from Jesus. But what is Jesus teaching us? He could teach us a lot of things, I'm sure. He could teach us probably how to be better at Madden, you know, how to do algebra, um, how to tell better jokes than Jeff Foxworthy. I'm sure he could tell us all this stuff, right? But specifically or not, my jokes are just off today. I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you. Courtesy laugh. Wow. That was the most awesome demeaning laugh I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. That's awesome. 
But Jesus is actually teaching us how to live, right? We're, we're broken in our understanding of how to live as human beings on this planet. If you go back to the very beginning, to Genesis, book of Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve, places them in the garden, gives them a task, gives them purpose. Then there's the fall. And from that point forward, human beings are misguided and misled and trying to find fulfillment in a million different ways, thinking that there's any answer apart from God to find fulfillment. And, and it's just a mess, right? And, and it's not like we've gotten any better. You know, there's a, a, a whole idea of kind of that human beings have made progress, that like now as a culture, now as human beings, we've sort of evolved to this level of enlightenment, where now in the 21st century, we're, we've really got it. And all you have to do is look at United States 2020, 2021, we don't got it. Like we have not arrived, we don't know how to live. We still think that if we put ourselves first, that that's going to lead to fulfillment, that if we, you know, feed all of our desires and our ego and we get pride and power and possessions and pleasure and we pursue these things that we're going to find fulfillment and it's just not right. It's incorrect, right? Even at a basic human level. And so Jesus wants to teach us how to live. He wants to teach us how to actually love each other. He wants to teach us how we know God and have a relationship with God. And so we talk about following Jesus and being a disciple. We are a student that is learning from a teacher actively and we're learning from Jesus how to live. Now, th th this is not, you know, complicated stuff. It's basic stuff. We talk about following Jesus, but oftentimes we feel stuck. It's kind of like, what's my next step? What do I do? Where do I go in following Jesus? And I want to give you two things today that we'll unpack even as we go over the next few weeks, but two things that give us kind of uh, handholds on following Jesus, or they're the, they're the steps that we take as we're walking with Jesus. Number one is we know him through his word. And I'm specifically talking about reading the Bible, getting into the scripture and, and letting the scripture actually change us and influence our thinking. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse two, that God transforms us by changing the way we think. And now what happens is if you don't get new thoughts into your thinker, then you can't be transformed. And when we interact with the Bible, with God's word, and we let the words of Jesus and the words of the scripture get into our thinking, it creates a conflict that essentially leads to a decision, am I going to continue to operate my life and think in the way that I think, or am I going to upgrade to the way God thinks, right? Yeah. I did a whole series about this in the summertime or in the spring about how we think, God thinks radically different thoughts than we do. When you sit down and you look at your finances and like, this is what I'm going to spend my money on. God thinks differently than you about what you should do. When you sit down and you go, this is how I'm going to conduct my marriage and my life and all of that. He thinks different than you. And how do you figure out how he thinks? You have to get in his word and let his thoughts begin to permeate and saturate and transform you from the inside out. And so in the 21st century, even though we might think, well, we're so enlightened and we've, we're really beyond, you know, the Bible. We're kind of like evolved as a culture. No, our brokenness is on display for all to see because our thinking is broken. And the only way that we can find truth is by connecting with God's word and letting those conflicts come where when I look into God's word and I'm wrestling with what's written there and I'm like, gosh, this is a little bit difficult. This doesn't really fit the modern 21st century kind of what's socially acceptable, politically correct way of thinking or talking or, do, or, or, or operating. Who's uh, whose definition of truth, whose definition of what is right or wrong, am I going to live my life according to my own or am I going to actually submit myself to the teachings of Jesus through his word? Yeah, 
So you might feel stuck. One of the best ways to get unstuck is to have a daily walking with the Lord in the scripture, in the word of God. The second way that we know Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Christianity is the the two wings that let you fly as a Christian is the theological, the truth aspect, that's the word of God. And the other wing, so you don't just fly in circles, right, is, is the spirit of God. There's something about Christianity that it was never intended to simply be realized and, and, and uh, expressed and, and connected with purely through the intellect and through the mind. Now, contrary to popular belief, there is the intellectual side of Christianity. We have a group on Wednesdays that you're invited to called the Dead British Guys Society. And uh, we study the writings of, uh, <laughs> it's awesome, huh, Rob? Yeah, it's a blast. It's not a blast. It's more like drinking tea with erudite scholars. Why well, say? <laughs> Pish posh. You have to own a jacket with um, elbow pads to actually be a member. But, but if you have that, you're welcome to come. No. <laughs> and a bubble pipe, yes. I say. But we, we have a group where we talk about knowing God through our intellect and the intellectual expression and understanding of the Christian faith. But that's not all there is to the story. There's also this mystical, supernatural, spiritual, the realm of heaven and miracles and, and prophecy and what we see in the, in the book of Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit comes down and people are speaking in an unknown language and there's this whole crazy, out of control, like that doesn't make any sense side of Christianity that, is, that brings so much life. And this is how we know Jesus. You know, when you see the early uh, Christians as they go out into the world and they change the entire world within a few generations, it wasn't just because they had a better message. They had power that was on the inside of them so they could proclaim this great message. And so it's both of these things. We know Jesus through the word, but we also know him through the spirit. And these are the pistons that drive us forward in our walk with Jesus. Are you with me? So we need to be in the word on a daily basis and in the Holy Spirit. This is how we follow Jesus. We are a student and we're learning from him. Number two, to be a disciple is also about fishing for people, becoming a fisher of men. Being a disciple is not just about you and your perfect relationship with God, your devotions in the morning. Oh, I just had my wonderful time with the Lord this morning. No, from the very beginning, being a disciple was always connected to purpose. When you look at Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and he calls James and John, they followed him and immediately began to work with him on his mission to seek and save the lost. When Jesus showed up, people said, are you going to be the king? And he said, wait a second, no, I'm here to seek and save the lost. Are you going to take out Rome and change the politics of this place? No, I'm a king, but it's a different kingdom. It's not of this world Jesus is not here to fit our expectations. He's here to establish a new kingdom. Are you with me? And his disciples were invited to join with him in the work of seeking and saving the lost. They were were to join with him, invited to join with him in his purpose of making disciples. Now, this really hit me as I was studying for this message. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls his disciples. It says, uh, he saw them there throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And then they immediately go out, it talks about here. They began to proclaim the gospel. He was healing the sick, casting out demons, right? Healing people. Large crowds are following him. This is right in Matthew chapter 4. This is the beginning of their call as disciples. 
Then the very last thing Jesus says to his disciples right before he ascends to heaven, we see it in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And this is something the Lord spoke to me or showed me as I was studying that purpose and being fishers of men was at the very beginning and at the end. It was the first thing Jesus said and it was the last thing Jesus said. And here's the point for you and I today. There is no such thing as a disciple that doesn't make disciples. There is no such thing as a disciple without purpose. Because being a disciple of Jesus, in other words, following after Jesus, you cannot disconnect it from making disciples. You end up invalidating the first thing. There is no such thing as a Christian who sits all by themselves and just has this relationship with God and never engages and interacts with the world around them on the mission of Jesus. That does not exist. We serve a God that is a God that is, is, has a broken heart about lost people that don't know Jesus. I want you to think about your, if you have children, your children. I have three beautiful children, Evelyn, Jack, and Penelope. And I can't sit if one of them is missing out in the city somewhere or lost from me and be like, well, two out of three is pretty good. <laughs> we serve a God that talks about the fact that he leaves the 99 sheep to go find the one. We serve a God that, that, that the son that was lost and now is found, the father weeps in the parable that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. We serve a God that cares about lost people. How can you know this God and serve this God and be a disciple of Jesus if you don't care? If your heart is not also broken. And yet we've been given a watered down false version of discipleship, which is separated from making disciples. And it simply does not exist There is no sense of being a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, do you fish for people? No, I don't do that. I'm too embarrassed. No, I don't do that. I'm too, I'm too shy. No, I don't do that. I'm, I don't know what to do. That doesn't, there is no category of disciple. Now there's no condemnation. Here's the deal, guys. God is calling us to embrace a real biblical discipleship that actually leads us out to engage in the mission of Jesus in the world to reach lost people. This is how he's going to see our community transformed. It's a powerful thing. It's an exciting thing, but we have to get it into our, our minds. There's no Christianity where it's just me and God, and it's kind of our cool, special thing. That is a watered down, weakened, false version of the gospel that doesn't exist. It's not, there's no such thing as a disciple that doesn't make disciples. Do I need to say it anymore? You get it? There's no such thing. It's like saying, here's my square circle. No, no. I don't care how much you make your eyebrows move when you say it. It doesn't exist. It's nonsensical. There is no such thing as a disciple that doesn't make disciples. And so we have to say, if I'm following Jesus, then I'm also fishing for people. Every disciple that began to follow Jesus, immediately Jesus said, let's go fish for people. I can't sit And be excited and happy, just be okay. If there's people that don't know Jesus, yes, I can be okay, but I have to be about my father's business. I have to be out in the world making disciples. And this is something that God's calling us to do. And number three, the mark of a disciple is fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with other believers. A couple months ago or weeks ago, I preached a message about the essential nature of the church. You know, that's a question of our day and age. Is church essential? Is it, is it just something you can do, you know, all by yourself? And I, I would say unequivocally, unabashedly, absolutely not. Being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus requires fellowship with other 
believers. Now, I'm not going to debate whether that means you have to come on a Sunday, you have to, you know, be at a joy group, it has to look this way or that. I'm not going to debate. You know, people go, well, I pray over my food with my wife and we, you know, we talk about God at dinner, so that's church. Probably not. But anyways, <laughs> I, I don't want to debate. Um, what I do want to say is who knows you enough and has close enough proximity to you in your life to challenge you about your stuff, to encourage you to follow Jesus, to ask you the tough questions, to actually correct you, to, to speak into your life. Like who is close enough and where are the, where's the, the relationships that are built that are strong enough in that fellowship? We live in an age of isolation, though people are more connected than ever before with technology, which we thank God for. I thank God for the fact that we're broadcasting and live streaming into places that people that are hearing the gospel and being a part of what, what's going on today. But I would say if you're watching, even watching online, this is not the full picture of church because you have to engage with other believers. And so we need to do that. If that's on a Zoom group, that's great. If that's in a personal group, that's great. But we have to be in fellowship with other believers. We live in this age where technology makes us feel that we're more connected than ever before. And yet there's a lack of authentic, actual human relationship, transformational, life-on-life -life kind of relationship. And it's more important now than ever. You know, in an age where it's so easy to be connected, why are so many people so desperately lonely and so feeling so desperately disconnected? Desperately lonely. So much depression, so much discouragement. Why? Because we're not created just to be connected at a shallow level. You, you got to get connected, real life's connected. That's how discipleship happens and that's where it, it, the rubber meets the road. It's why even 2,000 years ago, this was a temptation for Christians of that day and age. The writer of Hebrews says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Even 2,000 years ago, Christians were tempted to disconnect from community, disconnect from the assembly, disconnect from the ecclesia, the called out to gather, the fellowship of believers, the church. Christians were tempted by this 2,000 years ago and we're tempted by it today. Do you know why? Because it's hard to walk in fellowship with other people. It's not that much fun all the time. Sure, it's fun to get together and have joy group. It's fun to be together in relationship, but it's not fun when somebody's like, you need to stop this attitude that you have in your life. It's not a Christ-like attitude and you need to grow up spiritually. And you're like, oh, how dare you? Most of us would leave a New Testament church on week one because we'd be so offended that someone would dare to challenge us. My own daughter's laughing. This is great, Evie. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Obviously, I've discipled her perfectly well. We, we're mortified that someone would tell us that we're not... We, you know, my self-esteem and... I'm so mortified. Like, where is the real discipleship going to take place if you're not in fellowship? Let me just tell you, I do my best to offend people through my Sunday messages... I mean, I a dead level best to offend you. But even so, I can't quite do it at the level that needs to take place to truly mortify your flesh. What does that mean, mortify your flesh, other than being like an awesome heavy metal band lyric, right? Mortification. Can we have some heavy metal? I'm just teasing. Them. 
No, it means to, to kill, kill the flesh, to, to destroy it. That, that you, it requires somebody to kind of get up into your grill, into your business and say, hey, bro, like you're not doing it right. You know, the, this is not the character of Christ in your life. Hey, sis, this isn't the character of Christ in your life. I love you. I'm here to encourage you. But like, where does that take place? It takes place in fellowship. And that's why we avoid it because it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's, it, it requires a sacrificial commitment to something that's bigger than yourself. And that isn't always gonna make you feel better in the moment, but ultimately it's the only place on this planet, it's the church of Jesus Christ, where, where people can come and be healed and transformed and forgiven and redeemed and together be a part of something that transcends all politics and race and socioeconomic class and, and is the most powerful thing. It's the hope of the world that Jesus wants to work and transform culture and transform cities through this broken group of people coming together saying, hey, we're bringing our baggage together. We're coming together and it's hard sometimes and we make each other mad sometimes and annoy each other, but we're walking with Jesus together. We're on a mission together to, to fish for people and if we can get it together and we can hang out and we can be together in Christ, so can you. There's a place for you. But if the church does not gather, there's no place for people to come to. Where do you lead people to Jesus if there's nowhere to lead them? Where do you bring people to hope if there's no place to bring them? What do you do if you don't gather? And so in this age of isolation, we've got to say, hey, whether I do it on groups, on Zoom, whether I do it in person, whether I come up to Sunday at an old skating rink, whatever I do, I will not forsake this real fellowship of believers. And there's no such thing as a disciple all by themselves. Pastor Steve says, Jesus called to them. It's always been about relationship. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with lost people, relationship with fellow believers. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate his bride. Love Jesus, but I hate church. Doesn't work that way. You have to receive the fullness of, of what he has, right? And so being a disciple is to follow Jesus, to fish for people, and a fellowship with other believers, real, authentic fellowship. And the beautiful thing about this is that no matter where any of us are at on this journey, there's always a next step that's specific and individual and relational for you. We say this, take the next step with Jesus. There's always a next step. You go, well, I've, I, I'm too far gone. I'm, I, I'm, I've sinned too much. I'm too, nope, there's always a next step. Oh, I've been doing this so long and there's nothing for me to learn. No, humble yourself. There's always a next step with Jesus. Jesus has something beautiful, something relational, something specific to you. Bethany and I have our three kids, Evie, Jack, and Penny. And what we, Evie and I talk about, our relationship is different. The steps that she needs to take is different than Penny. Isn't that true, Evie? What does dad say sometimes, right? Penny's five, so give her some, give her a break. You know, she's crazy. Dad's 36. Give him a break. He's crazy, you know. God wants to step into your story where you are and help you grow as a disciple wherever you are. Maybe right now you're feeling like challenged. Well, this whole making disciples thing, I'm, I, I feel, you know, like I can't do that right now or whatever. Well, maybe start with just following Jesus in the word and the spirit. Maybe that's the step God's speaking to you about. Maybe God's challenging you about fellowship and you realize I have put something in the way of real fellowship. Whether that's not coming to church or whether that's not going to group or whether that's not engaging with fellow believers or not really taking those steps, being shy, being whatever. What is our next step? So a couple of questions for that first one about following Jesus. Ask yourself this, 
Am I really learning and growing in him? Am I in his word being transformed daily? If the answer is no, take that step. Begin to study. You can go into our Joy Church app. We have a, I wrote a book called Rocket Fuel. We give it to you for free there. It's an audio book. You don't even have to read it. You can listen to it. I'll read it to you. It's like a bedtime story. My voice will put you to sleep, right? And it's only about an hour long. If you listen to it like Bethany and I listen to stuff, you can get it done in like 40 minutes at two times speed. It's fast. She listens to it at three times speed. But we have resources to, to walk with God in the word. That book, Rocket Fuel, will teach you how to read your Bible and pray every day. Okay, it's right there. Number two, about making disciples. Am I engaged in the mission of Jesus to make disciples? Can you say that today as a disciple? Can you say, I am engaged in this mission? This isn't an issue of qualification. It's an issue of being obedient and being willing and saying, God, open opportunities. I will be about your business. I realize that to be a disciple, my call is to make disciples. Number three, am I in fellowship with other believers? Am I a consumer or am I a contributor? Have I forsaken the assembly of believers to pursue my own version of spirituality? This is a big deal right now in our culture. People go, oh, I just have church on the golf course. Just me, God and I alone playing golf. The Lord has never helped my golf game, so I know he's not there on the course. But we don't get to do our, um, create our own version of Christianity, create our own spirituality. You know, it's like Mr. Potato Head Christianity. That, that's, not, that's not right. We need to get into real community and let real people talk about real things and look into our real life and deal with our real stuff and get real community and real fellowship. Is that the step you need to take? There's absolutely no condemnation. This is not a judgment message. This is literally just saying, let's look at the target so we can move towards it because we wanna be disciples, we wanna make disciples and that's what we're here to do. Now, as we close today, I just wanna pray that God would show each of us our specific next steps. So just join with me in prayer. Father, we invite you in this moment, Lord, those of us in the room, those online, all of us that are watching on replay, however these words are being heard, Lord, I pray that right now by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us that next step. There is no condemnation, Lord. It's a, it's a step of grace, a step of faith. And I thank you, Lord, that you're inviting us to take it. But I pray you would show us as your disciples, as your followers, this is the next step that I want you to take. And I pray God you'd give us faith, boldness, courage to take that next step. Maybe it's to just really get serious about actually following you in the word and the spirit on a daily basis. Maybe it's to take up that challenge and that call to say, I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone. I'm on mission. I'm here. I'm showing up for duty, Lord. I wanna make disciples. Lord, Maybe it's to, to really be serious about connecting to the assembly and being part of the fellowship. We know, God, when it's real and when it's not. We know on the inside when there's somebody in our life that can, that can speak to us at that level, when we've built those levels of relationships, and we know when it's shallow. And I pray, Lord, that we would step out of our comfort zone, we'd pull off our masks, and we'd enter into real relationship where you can work in and through us as a community. Lord, we wanna follow you every day of our life Thank you for all these incredible, wonderful, amazing, beautiful, handsome, amazing disciples of Jesus here at Joy Church. God, pray that you would use us to radically transform this community with the gospel. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick. Yeah, we can say it was good. Real, real quick, every, every week. 
whether it's in person, you know, we had somebody do this in the first service. Online, we have this. People every single Sunday come to church looking for life, looking for hope. Maybe you're watching right now online. Maybe you're here today in the room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The very first step to take is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. So I'm gonna pray a prayer. I wanna ask you to pray with me. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? If that's you today and you're here where I can see, can you just lift your hand? Pastor Jake, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. Thank you. I wanna trust in Jesus for my salvation. Awesome, thank you so much. Awesome. And if you're online, you can respond to this too. Let's just pray this prayer together. Everybody repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.